Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we have Tyler on who works in marketing. Hi Tyler, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. It's nice to speak to somebody from Canada. <laughs> yes, it's, it's always nice to hear a different accent than your own as well. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere I really, really want to go. Um, so do you want to tell people a little bit about what you actually do? Yeah, um, I have a bit of an interesting career path. Uh, right now I'm uh, Matty Hapoya, who's a fairly successful YouTuber. He's coming up on 1 million uh, subscribers. I'm uh, quote unquote his business manager. Um, so I help him with uh, some brand deals and also um, helping in other business ventures that he's now a part of with the audience that he has. So uh, there's a, a marketing entrepreneurial bent to, I think, being a, a business manager in the in this kind of new media YouTube space. Um, and I also teach marketing. Uh, last, this past uh, winter semester was my first time teaching as a marketing instructor um, and COVID hit. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting um, experience from face to face and then kind of quickly moving to uh, Zoom classes as well. So, um, and right before that, I was uh, in uh, e-learning. So um, I think my background has been a lot of digital media and um, content development. And I, I can see a lot of parallels between the e-learning stuff that I've been a part of in marketing and, and uh, being a part of a startup there. And then also, you know, dovetailing that into YouTube, which I think one could argue that YouTube is a giant learning management system with so many different things to learn on it. So mm. it's, uh, it's interesting to see the parallels from hop to hop to hop. And just to preface there was one in-between job there where I was a director of operations at my church um, so I learned a lot about uh, wow. systems and structures um, and building for scalable growth uh, as giving and locations grew for our church as well so um, all of those th three things four things seem to culminate into this entrepreneurial yet um, business-minded um, marketing side of me I guess <laughs> yeah there's a real depth and, and variety there of uh you know the marketing world yeah uh I I think originally I thought I wanted to get into marketing and work in an ad agency and kind of just work my way up the the standard ad agency model using my creativity but this career path which I couldn't have predicted um I I see a lot of parallels and like you said depth where I, th I, I think I have a unique view um, coming from so many different random perspectives um, you know in the marketing world but they're all kind of tying together um, I think in this new digital media space that I'm in in now. Mm. Yeah so, I'm, I'm super interested in, in the whole marketing world and different aspects of it and your career path and you know what you do with Matty and YouTube and, and everything else is probably maybe a better way to go than the traditional model now. Yeah, uh, actually it was a big um, decision that I made when I first came out of uh, uh, school. I went to Ryerson University in Toronto. Um, we, I graduated with um, a marketing management, a bachelor of commerce degree, um, and then minoring in business law. And I immediately, I graduated in 2008, so I was looking for jobs September 2008 uh, in marketing right when the market crashed. Oh, no. um, so not a great time to yeah. uh, start your marketing uh, career. So um, all the ad agencies that I was applying to, you know, half the staff that I was emailing trying to get a job didn't even know if they would have a job in a couple of weeks time. 
um, because everyone was cut, cutting their marketing budgets. So with kind of my tail between my legs, I moved back home in with my mom. And uh, back to my hometown, there was uh, this healthcare training and consulting company wanting to get into e-learning um, and move a lot of their face-to-face -face training into an online format. Um, so they were looking for a marketing person and I kind of squeezed my way in there, um, helping <laughs> out the, the marketing consultant at the time. And then within a couple months, um, kind of took it over from him just because he was a marketing consultant and very expensive. And I was a young blooded marketing guy who wanted, who had something to prove. Um, so I kind of jumped in there and quickly I found that, um, you know, the experience that I was gaining there was invaluable. I was making probably a third of what a lot of my friends were making uh, who had a similar degree, but I kind of felt that, you know, yeah, this, this career path, um, or at least this experience for this time was going to be way more valuable than kind of working up uh, a traditional corporate uh, hierarchy job. Um, I, I applied to Procter & Gamble um, and passed their first uh, few uh, like IQ test kind of thing. And they invited me in and uh, I declined because wow. the weekend prior, I was uh, on the golf course with a CEO of a large Canadian pharmacy mm. and um, uh, a CEO of a hotel chain. And, I, and it was kind of in that surreal moment that I'm like, I don't think I would ever have this access uh, in any other kind of traditional marketing setting. No, that's a good, that's a good golf course. Where do all these CEOs play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a golf tournament for this uh, healthcare training and consulting company. I just lucked up and got paired with uh, <laughs> these very smart people. They were asking me questions, you know, as if I knew things about marketing. So um, <laughs> it, was a, it was kind of a surreal uh, and yet humbling <laughs> golf, golf, uh, golf game. So that um, first job with the e-learning, that obviously um taught you a lot it's sort of like a very uh, ground level starting role what sort of experience did you gain from that compared to university and how did that sort of compare between the two <laughs> yeah i remember you know my first couple weeks uh doing this job i was like oh goodness i should have paid way more attention in university <laughs> to these marketing classes <laughs> Um, so I actually went back to some of my marketing textbooks um, and, you know, was, was looking things up about, you know, business plans, marketing plans, um, even though, I, you know, you, you do them for projects, you know, you, you're kind of doing them in university to, yeah, to it's sort of in one ear. And then once you've done that project, it's sort of left to the yeah, side you, until you have to recall it, it at some point. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, oh dear, I need to actually like start applying uh, some of this. Oh, this stuff actually, you know, makes sense in the, in the, in the real business world. Um, so I started, uh, you know, digging into that. But, you know, I think there's a lot of intangibles that, that you, you know, that you receive when you're kind of thrown into the, the mix of it. So we were the first to market uh, online training solution for long-term care and retirement homes uh, in Canada. So we provided a lot of the compliance training that uh, legislation needed healthcare workers to, uh, to do every year um, so that, you know, different uh, long-term care and retirement, uh, retirement homes could actually um, stay open and, and, uh, and have their staff trained properly. Um, so we were the first ones to do it online. 
Um, so right from scaling, uh, I think when I started, there was one signed contract by this marketing consultant um, and less than 100 users. And when I left seven years later, there was 26,000 users across Canada. Um, we partnered with uh, some provincial organizations. So we were their number one online training provider for the province, for that particular provincial organization, for their long-term care or retirement homes. And people started liking the way that we were packaging our, and producing our training. And we started getting some companies wanting us to produce their training like we were producing our own and then also host it. So by the end of the my experience there, we were almost like creating this really nerdy Netflix where people could log in um, to our platform and uh, take our, our um, training course or if they... Um, a particular vendor, a healthcare vendor was on our platform. You could take their, you know, um, uh, training on, you know, their oxygen machines or something like that, depending on uh, what their, uh, what vendors that particular long-term care retirement home had. So uh, it was a very nerdy and unexciting space, but they were doing some really unique stuff. So, you know, I was relating to Netflix at the time that they were growing, but in a totally different context okay. <laughs> for my own. Yeah. And how sort of flexible and adaptable are the skills in marketing that you have to apply to different uh, sort of genres? So could you sort of take your marketing skills and apply it to the sports or music industry? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the, I was, I was at an e-learning conference in, in Orlando, Florida. Um, and this was probably 2009, 2010, and there was a panelist. I, I believe his name was Lance Dublin. He's a, kind of big in the e-learning industry, but he, he was asked a question on a panel, and the question was, what, how do you see content marketing and e-learning uh, coming together in the future? And his, as an e-learning guy, his response was kind of shocking. He said, I think content marketing is going to completely eclipse the e-learning space. Um, and what he meant by that is content marketing is essentially giving a lot of value away for free, uh, to your clients or, or sorry, to your audience in hopes that they will eventually purchase. Um, and so whether that's a recipe that, um, somebody's giving away for free in hopes that you buy, um, you know, a product listed in that particular, um, recipe, I think the same is true with, uh, with e-learning, you know, you want to give, uh, you want to have your audience learn something at the end of the day about whatever you're, you're it is trying to teach. So, um, you know, content marketing, there's a lot of learning principles that, uh, that these marketers are trying to tap into. And I think e-learning has a lot of, um, uh, a lot of good principles that a good content marketing strategy will, um, tap into as well. So as, as far as it re relates to, music um, and, and other things, you want people to really understand your brand um, and understand what you're, what you're about. Um, and in a day and age where you have so many different access points to tell your story, um, being able to tell that story and hone in on a few key points about who you are as an artist um, or who you are as a personality in, in kind of Maddie's YouTube case, um, you know, having those key points lead through in a variety of different platforms is very important and very um, similar to a lot of the online training um, stuff, you know, in the traditional e-learning sense, it's called blended learning, where you try and have the same message across different mediums, whether it's online training course, face-to-face -face, or a mm. poster. 
So you did the, you know, you did the university course, you sort of Uh, learnt your trade there and then really uh, grew with this uh, the e-learning company and and applied those skills but where did this sort of um, interest within the marketing world come from Um, from a young age were you sort of interested in maybe psychology and how humans interact or or where did it all come from yeah great great question I was actually thinking about this uh, the other day and I think in grade five uh for whatever reason, my teacher, Mr. Scott, did an advertising uh, unit, I think it's what they're called. And he, and he kind of broke down, I remember Snap, Crackle, and Pop, and how that was just a way for, for us to really remember you yes. know, this very Not bland cereal. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And that, I remember in my grade five mind, that just like blowing kind of my socks off, be like, oh man, that's so interesting. And in that same unit, our, our project was to write a letter to a big brand asking them a series of questions. And uh, we chose Doritos. So we emailed, or sorry, we wrote a letter back in the day. Um, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and probably about a month later, um, a whole, probably about uh, six packages of maybe 10 chip bags per package showed up uh, to our classroom from Doritos. And so our whole class got free Doritos. uh, And then they also answered a lot of the questions that we had. Wow. And that, again, that kind of blew my mind too. So yeah, it's like a company can just send free chips. Like this this (laughs) is so cool. Um, So I think from there, like the seed of marketing and and advertising and and what that means was kind of planted. um, And you know, it's, I think that was kind of the, the inception point of like, oh, there's some cool stuff that can be done um, in the world through marketing. I read um, uh, John Hegarty's book um, on advertising and it talked all about the Audi adverts and the stuff from like the 70s and 80s, very madman um, type, type things going on. And that just really piqued my interest in sort of the whole, the psychology of it and how you get in people's heads and why people actually buy things. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of similar to to what interested you, I think. Yeah, I th- I think there's um, you know, in in I'm referencing kind of the the course, uh, there's this kind of black box uh, in inside inside of every human that makes decisions, and no one really knows why uh, you know somebody will will eventually make a, a purchasing decision, but there's so many different variables. Uh, you know, categorically that go into that black box, whether it's a reference from a friend and then that uh, banner ad that you see that you think you dismiss, but might actually affect you. And then, Mm. um, you know, some of these other, you know, ways that you're, you're targeted, all those kind of things kind of, you know, curtail into you actually making a decision. Now, I think one of my favorite marketing phrases is, um, 50% 50% of marketing is useless, but you don't know which 50%. So you have to it. <laughs> sure, I think yeah. it was Drucker. I think it might've been Peter Drucker who said yeah. that. Um, somebody can, can fact check, but uh, yeah, so that it's an interesting thing where you kind of have to think of all the, the small variables um, that people might pay attention, pay attention to and, uh, and try and you Recently, know, have a touch point that, uh, that affects them. Sorry. I think recently there's actually been a documentary on Netflix regarding uh, social media and the advertising and the way it's t- uh, the algorithms target certain people. Um, what sort of someone in the industry, um, what sort of a 
opinions do you have on the way uh, these algorithms are targeting um, individuals for marketing um, for, for, for marketing and advertisements and things like that? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I don't think it's good overall. Um, yeah, as a, as a marketer, um, I, I, it's, it's kind of, I, I guess there's two different kinds of marketing that, that are coming to my mind right now. There's brand marketing and then there's direct marketing and brand marketing, I think is, you know, kind of more of a, a narrative story that you're telling over time. Um, so considering Maddie and YouTube um, or, you know, somebody like a Will Smith, they're, they're constantly putting out content and, and telling a narrative and, and, you know, building their brand that way versus what's called direct marketing is when you're, you know, analyzing how many eyes saw that one ad. Okay. There's your, your, your kind of funnel and you're trying to funneling people through these conversions until you make a sale. I think that's, I think that's very almost manipulative uh, of marketers to, to kind of capitalize on the direct marketing, um, you know, abilities that are out there through a lot of these um, platforms like Facebook and Google and all of that. Um, So I might be a bad marketer in that sense, in that I much prefer to create experiences um, and build brand through uh, storytelling and narrative. And um, I think that's what, ultimately gravitated me towards um, YouTube um, is, you know, I think the future is in people connecting with people um, with this audio and visual, uh, yeah, visual video revolution that's happening. Um, And so I, I don't really care for those direct marketing funnel type um, creating those experiences for people. I would rather, you know, going back to my grade five story, I'd rather surprise somebody with you know 60 bags of chips um <laughs> and have them remember that then you know the the click funnels into conversion percentages and all of that uh that that just seems more mind-boggling let's just give away 60 chips i think people will like that better anyways <laughs> i think the direct marketing comes from a lot of um look to short-term gains you know if you run an ad on whatever social media it be you're going to look to achieve the short-term gains and look at all those metrics but the brand marketing is certainly longer term and and probably things that you will look to buy the quality you get the story you fall in love with that product and company a little bit more i think i think i think that's you know you hit the nail on the head being short short term i think you know yeah i think direct marketing you know if you have um numbers you need to hit and stuff like that i you know those can be you know, quick wins for a company, but ultimately you might be sacrificing your brand overall, your long-term brand to, um, uh, to make a, yeah, that short sale. Um, that is actually, you know, might be the opposite of, of what your brand ultimately means, but you got the numbers for that particular quarter. Yeah. Whereas uh, I can imagine the yourself and those people in that class who got those free bags of Doritos probably impacted them over all, their whole lifespan. They'll probably, whenever oh, they see the a next, bag like, of Doritos, they'll think it, about that. 100%. I think for the next like two years, I only bought Doritos uh, <laughs> at the corner store near my near my house, uh, just because, you know, they, they got me that way. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing that put me off of marketing a little bit, I have to say is that 
like you said earlier, when somebody says, you know, 50% of marketing is kind of wasted, but we don't know which 50, there's been a real push in the last 10, maybe 20 years to try and analyze every little thing a marketing budget does. And I don't think you really can analyze it. I don't think, I think it's incredibly hard to actually pull the value from what it is. You kind of just have to put this stuff out there and go, well, hope some of it sticks. Yeah, I, I think if, if, Coming from the the train, this is where my e-learning background comes in. If if I put out a course and no one, un, like, we we always sorry, I'll back up. We always say that the attitudes that go into training often dictate the amount of content retained. So if somebody goes into training with a, a positive attitude, they're more likely to retain the content than if they were to go into training with a negative attitude. So we tried to brand our e-learning in such a way that only had positive touch points, even leading up to um the uh them taking the course so we would have posters with olivia the online owl um who is this bright colorful um she would have you know corny jokes on some of the posters that would be around these healthcare facilities it's kind of cheesy but it also worked at the same time um so we always were trying to build uh th those positive touch points so if if you if you were defaulting, I think, to these direct marketing tactics, you probably aren't putting out quality content that people actually want to watch in and of themselves. Um, so if you have to, I think, resort to some of the more clickbaity, click funnel, um, you know, type strategies, you know, I wonder if you were to funnel some of that budget over to more, to, more, to, more of a narrative brand telling um, uh, side of marketing, how much more long-term engagement you would have with uh, your your audience, um, and I think that you know, you know, you're in those scenarios. You're allowed to do a lot more because it's more brand, it's more vibe, it's more feeling oriented um, than just you know trying to you know have that clever piece of copy that gets somebody to click on something, and before they know it, they're they bought too many of the thing that uh, they don't even need. <laughs> So what would be some of the personality traits that you would think somebody needs to have to really succeed in marketing these days? Um, I, th I think a very personable approach and somebody who understands, I think, the needs. Uh, there's um, Donald Miller, uh, and I'm not sure if familiar with him. He's an author, but then more recently has uh, is doing a lot of marketing consulting, and he's developed this uh, thing called StoryBrand, and it's essentially um, understanding the narrative of your brand through a story arc or a story framework. Mm -hmm. And he says, I won't go through the whole thing, but he says there's seven main connections um, to a story. And one of the things is a hero meeting a guide and the guide giving them a plan and a call to action. And he says that we should be positioning ourselves as if you're a company or a, or a small business or anything like that as the guide and let other people be the hero of their own story. And too often, I think uh, companies try and be the hero of other people's stories mm -hmm. um, instead of being that guide that comes alongside and says, you know, you know, yeah, you know, we empathize with kind of what you're going through. Um, and here's a bit of authority, not in an arrogant way of, of how we can help. And, and uh, we hope you choose us. Um, so, so I think there's a, some narrative uh, work that can be done. And I think 
if you understand story, you understand um, people. Um, so I think, you know, I, th I think I much prefer the the people narrative storytelling side mm. of brand building. So what would an average day be like for you? Yeah, good question. So um, <laughs> during this COVID time, um, I've been working from, from home. Um, more recently, I've, I've been going up to Maddie's studio one to two times a week. Um, so a lot of it is, you know, combing through the emails uh, that come in uh, for Maddie and working with uh, some of the brands uh, that are interested in working with Maddie and sorting through which ones are, are appropriate and which ones aren't. Um, but we also help a few other YouTubers behind the scenes as well. Um, so we do a lot of uh, kind of this brand identity stuff um, and help them kind of refine who they are as a, as a quote unquote brand. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say in a, you know, uh, a businessy way, but, you know, helping them have a foundational identity so that, you know, if they do get those negative comments, um, you know, if they're, you want to have the right negative comment. So if, if somebody says something about you, um, it could actually reaffirm the, the identity that you're going for. Um, so helping people kind of bolster um, their kind of online persona or online brand, um, I do that um, uh, with, with some YouTubers as well. And um, I also produced uh, the podcast, The Maddie and Pete Show. Um, so depending on when they shoot that, I might be editing um, and post-producing some of their podcast. So, and also uh, there's bigger uh, opportunities when you have an audience uh, the size of Maddie's as well. So there might be other business opportunities or digital products that we can uh, put out that will help his audience. Um, so it's a, it's a very entrepreneurial uh, endeavor, whereas I think traditionally management is seen as like, I have all the connections and, and help people out. I don't think that's the case anymore. You know, Maddie. Um, just by the size of his audience can attract, you know, more brands than the, than the connections that I have. So it's more facilitating um, this entrepreneurial um, uh, side of YouTube um, and YouTubers that I don't think a lot of people fully understand. I think oftentimes they see, oh, I have this audience. Uh, if I get a brand deal, I've made it as the pinnacle um, as a YouTuber. But um, I think there's so much more. It's so much more around platform building and getting a, a particular message out your, your message as an individual out um, to as many people that um, will listen. And how are you finding the day to day of being the marketing instructor as well for university? Um, right now that was a one-off uh, semester contract and mm. that particular university I was working with does it in the winter semester. Okay. So um, I'm not sure what they're going to be doing um, in the winter with, with COVID. Um, and I think, I, I think they're doing like zoom classes. I don't know if I want to do that experience again, if, if I'm honest as mm -hmm. an instructor. Um, so, but I do have the, all the content uh, developed. So I'm actually thinking about uh, putting it out online uh, on, on a YouTube channel um, because I do know a lot of people aren't going back to school. They don't want to pay large tuition fees to, it kind of doesn't make sense anymore, does it? You know, with this right. whole COVID thing, if you're not in person, then like you said earlier, YouTube is a huge library of, of knowledge, essentially, isn't it? It really is. And the only, yeah, so, so I can see that there's still going to be a, hopefully a lot of people that still want to learn kind of an intro to marketing mm -hmm. understanding. But 
um, you know, they might not want to pay a thousand bucks or 600 bucks, whatever it is for a course um, to, to, you know, get that checkbox in a, in a university. Um, so I think there's some, there's a, I think COVID has put, put some pressure on universities um, to really explore what the value is. And I think mostly the value is uh, getting that piece of paper and society saying that, oh, you have a piece of paper, you're, you're cut out to do such and such a job. But like I said before, you know, when I first got into my, <laughs> my first job, I cracked open a marketing textbook because I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't really understand. I, I, you know, I got good grades and, and all that, but I wasn't paying attention in a real life business context. I was more doing it for the grades. So how um, accessible is a, is a career and a job role similar to yours without that uh, degree? That's, I, this is where, you know, society, I think society has a role, is playing a role in that it seems to, I think right now, overvalue certain degrees from colleges and, and universities. Like 100%. I still want my doctor, <laughs> yeah. I still want my doctor to have gone through full med school uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, going, th- looking at uh, Maddie Hapoya's channel, you know, he's teaching filmmaking, uh, photography, and, and, uh, and camera-related things. And he didn't go to film school. And he, he, we're almost encouraging people not to go to film school because you can learn a lot of this stuff online. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, a client just wants his video to look good. He doesn't really care if you've gone to film school uh, or not. Um, so I think there's certain industries that... Um, society might start realizing doesn't need um, a particular degree behind it to execute the the things that it needs to to do. Um, so I think I think business entrepreneurship marketing might be one of those particular um, things. You know, I wouldn't generalize that to all business related things. You still want your accountant to have a, a you know certain designations so that they're not you know, messing up your money and and stuff like that. But I think there's something interesting about marketing and entrepreneurship that is half creative and half um, framework that you might be able to to learn more online. I think I've bored Jules with this for about five years now. I've, I've been saying a similar thing. I personally just don't see, unless you're a doctor or a dentist or, or something else, the actual benefit to going to university, everybody I know essentially apart from a few people went to university and don't use the degree for the job they're in. Um, <laughs> and it's, it blows my mind. Whereas you can go into work and get experience and, and learn your trade and like watch YouTube videos. Like you said, you know, you've got Matty, um, you've got like Pete, um, yeah. Chris Howe, all these people teaching videography in a much more accessible and entertaining way than you would at a university. And, you know, we've gotten emails from university instructors saying that, hey, just so you know, you know, we used that video in our, uh, in our lecture. So, mm. you, you know, um, so Maddie is essentially, you know, a university level teacher, even yeah. though, uh, for film, even though he never went to film school, which is mm. kind of backwards. Yeah. It's also cool. So, what are some of the biggest positives and opportunities you've got out of your career within the marketing world? Obviously, um, working with Matty must be a, a big one, but you know, what are the main ones for you? I, I think 
this entrepreneurial marketing um, kind of random jobs that I've had. I, I, th I think it's only coming into culmination of what all that means, you know, in this last year or so moving forward. So I think having, so I, I you know, I, I, I'm not super rich uh, or anything like that. I have a modest home, um, but I, th I think taking that risk of, you know, preferring kind of these random experiences and um, over a, a higher paying job, um, I think is slowly starting to uh, funnel out into a, a kind of a unique skill set that I have that is only now starting to take me to places that I don't think I would imagine, like producing a podcast and working with Maddie and some of other YouTubers and seeing some of the value that I'm bringing them um, is, is surprising to me. Um, you know, because I think I haven't done the traditional marketing um, role. So maybe ask me in another year or so. Um, but <laughs> but I, I, I can see it. It's all coming to a head now uh, in, a, in a weird way um, that, you know, just before COVID hit, um, Maddie was able to go out to Alberta with Travel Alberta. So I was able to go um, so with that. And we were skating on Lake Louise and we oh, were wow. up in a helicopter um, and getting some amazing shots really f uh, showcasing and featuring Travel Alberta. And um, that was phenomenal. And that was such an amazing experience. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I couldn't have dreamt that. Um, it, was, it was, it was so awesome. We were staying at, you know, the Fairmont Lake Louise. Um, it was, it was just so, so gorgeous. So it's amazing. And then COVID hit. Um, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, just getting some of those experiences, you know, it's, it's just starting now to, I think, kind of, See, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of hard hard work and frustration. You know, starting your own company or or um, bootstrapping the startup e learning thing, mm. sleepless nights. I think I was burnt out in my mid twenties, um, and that usually doesn't happen. Well, it's happening more often quicker now. But um, when it happened to me, I, I was relating to you know people who are forty. Um, so yeah, it, but I think ultimately it's it's. Uh, it's coming to more exciting things now. I think the way you, you're, you're approaching it and you're doing it is possibly the better way in the future. Like you're building your own personal brand. You've had all these experiences. Um, you know, you're working with some amazing people and you're probably gaining a lot more um, than an average, you know, person that just goes into, like you say, an ad agency sits there for 20 years and slowly works their way up the ladder. You know, people will come to you because you've worked with these people and you've, you've got the experiences over them possibly because they can find you online. Yeah. And, and I think I just, just the other week I was kind of reflecting on my weird career and I got into marketing um, because I saw it as the more, more of the creative side of business. Um, but ultimately I wanted to get into film. And the reason why I liked film is because it was, I thought it was just so cool. I was always making, you know, dumb videos with my friends throughout <laughs> high school and, and, uh, making mini videos. And I loved doing that. And the only way that I saw that I could make money with my creativity was through the traditional marketing and advertising route. Um, and then this creator space really opened up in this last, in the last five years or so, where I kind of realized that, you know, I'm, I'm almost trying to shed this marketing, um, 
brand that I have on myself right now um, because or, my original desire was to just do cool things with, with video and, you know, in a roundabout way, marketing has allowed me to do that. But, um, you know, fast forward 10 years and um, this whole creative creator YouTuber space has opened up where you can make money, um, you know, with your creativity and it doesn't have to be through a traditional advertising or marketing uh, agency. So I, I'm excited again to kind of see where, where this all goes. Uh, moving forward that's good and what would be some of the less favorable uh, aspects of the role and the career yeah I, th- I think coming from the entrepreneurial side of things you know i i have high expectations of myself um so i can be my own worst boss um <laughs> you know i was working uh as the director of operations there and i was uh, always be so nervous going into performance reviews um, during that time. And I would always get in, in our rating scale an AA, which is at the top, top of the top that you could get. But I was always, I, th- I always would think that I would be getting fired. Um, because, you know, I think that's just the way I'm wired is sort of like uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. hundred um, yeah. percent. So, uh, I think the, the worst part about, you know, some of this, uh, being an entrepreneur and, and in the, in, in kind of the marketing space where you're able to create is you always feel like you should be working um, or if you, uh, or that you should be doing something quote unquote productive. Um, So I think being able to um, pull back and uh, give yourself some grace. Um, But when I did that, I found too that um, um, there's the opposite is just as destructive as well. So there's burnout on one end of the spectrum and then there's rust out on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. where you don't really care about what you do. And I've kind of felt that in my director of operations role, which was kind of looking back on it, operations is the opposite of marketing um, and entrepreneurship. It's trying to like pull back an organization to make things organized and all of that. Whereas marketing and entrepreneurship is pushing forward. And, uh, and so I got to the point that I felt that I was rusting out because I wasn't using my creativity at all. I was more in process um, structure mode. Um, So that was a difficult time uh, equally. Um, But now coming out of burnout, coming out of rust out, I think I've found the the happy medium at least so far um, to give myself some grace uh, and also um, work hard when it's time to work hard as well. So we like to um, look at some stats for sort of average salaries across industries. Um, And when we looked into marketing, um, an average salary um, for those of us in the UK um, was around 30,000 for a marketing manager, which I think is around 50,000 Canadian dollars. Um, Does that sort of sound right to you with your experience in the industry? Yeah. um, So when I first started, you know, I was making considerably less than that. uh, And my friends were making around around that. And it was several years just because we were a bootstrap startup that, you know, my salary didn't move. But again, I felt that uh, the experience I was gaining would pay off down the road. Um, And now more on the entrepreneurial things. um, Since quitting my, uh, my operations job, um, you know, is now kind of on me. Um, so depending on the month, yeah, that 50,000, you know, divided by 12 is accurate. And, and some months it's significantly higher and some months it's like, oh dear, uh, I need to start working again. So yeah, I would say that's, you know, 
that's that's accurate. Um, but I think there's this new there's this new trend that um, of this YouTuber um, digital space that if you are on if you are trending in that direction and become an expert in that, you know, you you might be able to provide value then more than just kind of the traditional um, marketer who's relying on a lot of those direct marketing stats um, yeah. and funnels and stuff like that. Okay. Um, what would be something that's not in the job description that you have to uh, deal with maybe a day to day or every now and then? Yeah, I, I think working with uh, YouTubers is... You know, I you know it's funny. I worked at a church, but I I kind of make the joke that sometimes I feel like I'm doing more pastoring now, not working for the <laughs> church, uh, than I did because, you know, um, negative comments do like these are people um, yeah. in in these videos who are also kind of their own entrepreneurial brand and all of that. But at the end of the day, you know, these people are putting themselves out there online, um, and which can any be a very toxic place. And comment so. That's I do really f- find, you know, talking with some of these YouTubers, talking with Maddie about what they want to do, um, and how they want to do it, and and kind of refining their what makes them unique, um, and and seeing the freedom in their identity to allow them to do things that maybe some of the commenters or maybe some of their audience won't like, um, but kind of internally know that it's the right direction for their their brand. Um, and and them i i think is is rewarding um so i think yeah ident- like helping encourage unique perspective and unique identity despite what the audience might want somebody to do i think is rewarding but then if i put my marketing hat on too making sure that we are listening to a certain degree to the audience to know what they want and what they like um and and hopefully finding a nice overlap between um, what the creator wants to do and what uh, uh, the audience wants as well. Mm, must be a constant sort of balancing act. But how does um, how does somebody sort of progress within the marketing industry? And also, it might be quite interesting if you've got any tips for how somebody might progress on YouTube as well. Oh dear! So within the marketing <laughs> industry, I I don't even really know because I think my uh, career path has has been quite random. Um, so I wouldn't even know how to like, you know, scale the ad ad agency, um, you know, yeah. uh, hierarchy. Um, but I think ultimately I remember, uh, this is one, maybe one thing I do remember from university is I was sitting in, um, an online marketing class, um, and the teacher or the professor said that, um, memos are going to be your most important tool when you're, uh, starting out in a job. And he said that if you recognize a trend or something that your organization or business is not doing, write a one to two page memo that's very well researched, very, very well written um, about how this company or this organization should go after this particular opportunity and why. And, um, and put your name on it, put the date on it, all of those things. And uh, it'll like, if it's a healthy organization, it should get passed around to the right people. Um, and the example he used was, a, uh, I think it was IBM or Microsoft or something like that back in the late 80s, or early 90s. Um, some guy, a lower level employee wrote a memo about how this computer company should look at this internet thing and maybe build... <laughs> uh, build 
structures or hardware that can tap right into this internet thing on a computer. And so I, from what I understand the story you're going, he wrote this memo, this two-page memo, very well researched and uh, had stats and all of that. And it worked its way all the way up to, I think it might've been Bill Gates, I think it was Microsoft. And then this guy ended up being put in charge of the internet, the head of internet uh, wow. at Microsoft. I don't know if this is a, you know, an old wives tale yeah, marketing yeah. or not, but um, I should have probably looked that up. But I just remember that story. And since then, you know, I've made it a point um, to every once in a while, if I have a, if I see opportunity or trending things to put it in a one to two page memo, send it to uh, the owner of the company if, um, or the investor, or when I was in my director of operations role, my, my boss, um, and have them have a look at it. Um, I, th I think that's a really, really good point because yeah, I think a lot of people get scared about, uh, <clears throat> treading on toes and, you know, worrying that they're going to piss certain people off. But if you've got an idea, then you should go yeah, for absolutely. it. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. And so would you still go into the industry knowing all you know now? Uh, I think if I knew it would work out the way it is, I would, I would say yes. Um, but I think, you know, if I were to look back um, and see, you know, I somehow canceled my university applications for film school, I think I would still push harder um, to keep my creative film career alive um, because I think that was a, that was a passion of mine that I just let fall by the wayside thinking it wasn't as important anymore um because i guess i'm a marketer now um, <laughs> so so i would say I, I looking back i would still push towards a passion um and i think now you know watching these youtubers and seeing them um do their thing i'm like oh yeah this is actually really cool so you know it's inspired me to um you know get a, a camera and and start recording some of the stuff on my own and kind of get getting back into it and yeah. So, so don't ignore your passion at the end of the day. Um, so I would, I would change that a little bit, but I, I also enjoy where I'm at right now too. I think we talked a lot about, um, you know, building sort of a personal brand and, and forging your own sort of career path. Um, and social media and YouTube is a big part of that. Have you got any sort of um, maybe tips or a bit of insight knowledge on, on how to maybe grow your YouTube um, in a certain way? Yeah, I, I think the traditional way marketers think is you see a group of people um, and you're like, okay, I'm going to build a product um, that helps that group of people. So you, you know, go through the four P's of marketing product, price, place, promotion, and, and work on your messaging and, and sharply communicate to that group of people and hopefully that, and in hopes that they will buy your product. And I think the new way marketing is working is kind of going back to the passion thing is find something that you really enjoy doing and whether that's cupcakes or, um, you know, marketing advice or filmmaking, whatever it might be. And um, if that's a passion of yours, uh, just start sharing online, whether YouTube and other social media platforms and the more consistent you are um, in that, uh, I think people will find you. Um, so I think it's kind of an inverse marketing system right now where you just uh, kind of share a passion. Um, and if you're consistent about it, you know, uh, people will find you and uh, 
and we'll follow you about it. Um, I have this triangle that I often reference. At On one point, there's relevant content. On another point, there's production value. And on, the, another, on another point, there's consistency. And if you have two out of those three things, I think you can grow a following in social media. So if you're consistent and have really good content, your production value doesn't have to be that good um, because you're providing so much value. Mm. If you're consistent and you have high production value, your stuff looks amazing. Your content doesn't have to be that spectacular uh, because it's just so nice to look at. And if you have relevant content and the production value is very high, you don't have to be that consistent because when you post, you know, like people will know that it's, it's something awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think focusing on two out of those three things, whatever works for, for a particular individual um, should help them out. Well, thank you so much for coming on Tyler. We really enjoyed chatting to you really sort of in depth and a a really interesting career path. Yes. Great. uh, Great to be on. Uh, Happy to, to join you guys as well. Thank you. Where can people find you on uh, the internet, social media and all that? Yeah. On uh, Instagram, Tyler Richard Wells. Um, On Twitter, Tyler Rich Wells. And uh, I actually just posted my first YouTube video on kind of um, brain dumping and brand identity and and reducing stress and anxiety uh, if you're a small business leader. Um, And so that you can, if you can search Tyler Wells on YouTube, you might, I might pop up, but still very small so i might not so Instagram i saw your, probably uh, the best i saw your clip on instagram of that uh, quite funny a few little outtakes and whatnot <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <I can't> say- <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and we'll be sure to tag you in all, in all our social medias as well so thank you again tyler thank you tyler really appreciate Sounds it great thank Cheers. you bye bye